but in this house, save people, serve people. In this house, we do life together. In this house, healthy people grow. In this house, we live generously. In this house, found people find people. What's up, Coastal? How you guys doing? Okay, sit back down. It's taking up my preaching time. That's not what we're here for. So, uh, hey, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad that you're with us today. In fact, uh, there, there's, there's, there's a lot of you here in this service, and so uh, that's good news, right? I mean, that means that, uh, that our, our staff has done an incredible job while we have been gone. Can we give it up for our staff as, as they've uh, just done an incredible job? Um, if you're a, a guest here with us, you're probably like, why were people standing when you walked up? That isn't normal here. Uh, my, my wife and I, we've been gone for the last 10 weeks. We had some, some tragedy in our family, and uh, I, I'm so thankful to be a part of a community of faith where it's okay to not be okay. And uh, I was in a season where I was not okay, and so I stepped away to be okay, to get okay. And I, I think that that's a, a testimony to this community called Coastal Community Church, um, and, and where where we embrace everybody, where we say everyone's welcome because nobody's perfect and anything's possible. And and I'm right there in the middle of y'all. And so um, I, I just want to say thank you on, on behalf of us. We we got so many text messages and phone calls and emails. And while we might not have been able to respond to every single one of those, every single one of those prayers and those thoughts and those all those things meant the world to us in that season and so thank you thank you thank you on behalf of shayla and i for the love that we have received over over the season of our life here at church and i'm pumped about what god is doing in this house i mean this is the 11 30 service and uh, it's packed out uh the 10 the 10 15 service is packed out nine o'clock even had a lot of people in it last night was crazy like saturday night is crazy i think we're gonna have to add another service here um uh, because <laughs> there's not really room for y'all to invite your friends right now. And so that's, that, that's a good thing and a bad thing at the same time. And so, but anyways, we're, we're, we're pumped. I'm pumped to be back here today, and I'm pumped to be back and just sharing with you guys. And uh, we're beginning a brand new series. And so if you're new or you came to church over the last 10 weeks and you're like, man, what's this place all about? The pastor's never here. He never talks. It's weird. Um, I let me just say this also, man, like, we're our guest communicators here of the last 10 weeks, not incredible or what. I mean, it's so good. Can we give it up for all those guys came in from all over the country? In fact, one, the, Eric, who spoke last week, was at this last service. He just wanted to come back and hang out with us, and I thought that was really, really cool uh, because he skipped out on his church today. So, uh, <laughs> anyways, but, uh, but I'm pumped because, you know, if you've been here for a little bit, you're going to find out a lot about us. 
And uh, we're beginning a brand new series today called In This House. And this is what I know about every home. Every home has some house rules. Every home has some uniqueness to it. You know, some people's houses, you go there, when you get inside the front door, you see all the shoes next to the front door. That means you got to take your shoes off at the front door, right? And then you come over to my house and we're like, please keep your shoes on. We don't want to see your nasty feet. Like we want, like, unless you got a pedicure, then, then you, like, it's okay. But like every room, every house is a little bit different. Every home is a little bit different. And in this house, you know, we, we have some things that we embody and we embrace. In fact, this week I was thinking about like different people's homes and I, I found some funny house rule signs. This one says this. It says house rules. Number one, the wife is always right. Number two, if the wife is wrong, see rule number one does anybody have that rule in their house anybody oh Shayla no you're not supposed to raise your hand that's how about this one these are southern family rules don't bite off more than you can chew go whole hog don't go getting above your raisin they need some grammar lessons is what they need in the south but anyways uh give me some sugar I like that one men fences don't let the tail wag the dog either fish or cut bait don't fly off the handle and my favorite don't get caught with your pants down that's a good rule right there it's a good rule for any home how about this one house rules you're not allowed to do anything that begins with hey y'all watch this some of you guys need that for your house but this, this next one is actually at somebody in her church's house that I saw, and it, it got me this idea. It says, no soliciting. We are too broke to buy anything. We know who we are voting for. We have found Jesus. Seriously, unless you're selling Thin Mints, go away. That's a good sign right there. So, some of y'all are like, I need that sign in my house. Because if you're selling Thin Mints, come on. You don't even have to knock. Just go ahead and open up the door. Come on inside. We'll celebrate together. We'll break Thin Mint bread. It'll be amazing. And, uh, and so every house has some, some different rules in it. And we say all the time at this church, you know what, our church is not the best church. Uh, our, our church is not the only church that's out there. There are a lot of great churches that are out there. there. It's part of the reasons why we pray for other churches every single week. Because we're not just about this church. We're about the big C church. We love the church that Jesus died for and is building. Uh, but we also know that not everybody's going to like this church. And that's okay. You don't have to like this church. There's lots of other churches you can go to. We think this church is unique because we have a unique vision and outlook for our community. And we've said the mission of our church from day one is this. I've actually put it on the back of this currently thing. There's a little outline for you. You can fill in the blanks in case you were wondering where the fill, where the notes go. They're on the back of this now. We're being more efficient. We're trying not to kill as many trees in Jesus' name. Anyways, uh, and, so, and so we've said this. Our vision as a church is we want to make it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to go to church so they can experience, so they can know, and so they can follow Jesus. And I want you to recognize that there's, there's a word there that's really bold. It's called people. See, we're not about building buildings. We're not about building things. We're about building people. That's what we've always been about. We want to help you become all that God created you to be. We want you to discover your gifts and your talents and uniqueness. We want you to discover your purpose and calling in Christ Jesus and live that out all the days of your lives. That's part of our intention as a church is to, to help you do that. But also with that, we want that for every single person that's out there. But with that, we also want people to experience Jesus. We want them to come into a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. And so there are some values that we have that go along with this mission as a church that, that, that will tell you why we do what we do. Because when you don't know why you do something, 
you'll lose the way you do something. And so we always like to come back and talk about why we do what we do. And so in this house, we believe that found people, people that have, been get, have found a relationship with Jesus Christ, find other people. And help them discover a relationship with Jesus Christ. We believe that found people find people. Because we believe that if, if Jesus is for everyone, then the church should be about everyone. In fact, a lot of people have this misconception that church is about them. Listen, church is not about people that are already found. It's about people that are still lost. This is not a country club for sinners. This is a hospital for sinners. Country club for saints, hospital for sinners. My bad. I'm a little rusty here. Bear with me. And so we're about building people that are far from God. And, and here's what I've realized. You know, Jesus gave us one last assignment when he was here on earth. In Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, he says, Therefore all authority has been given unto me. And he says, man, and I'm going to give it to you. Therefore go. There's some action on your part. If you've been found by me, I've given you authority. And now here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and make disciples. In other words, go find people. And here's the promise that I'll give you. I got your back the entire way because I'm with you. I'm with you. And so many people walk into church. In fact, the, they polled people and said, if you could ask God one question, what would that question be? God, why on earth am I here? Like, what is my purpose? What is my mission? And here's what I know about you if you've come into a relationship with God. Your mission can never be separated from the Great Commission. Because God is all about people that do not yet know him. And he wants to utilize your life and your story to make a profound impact on them. In fact, the more you align yourself with God, it, all of a sudden you'll start to know what your assignment in life is, your purpose in life is. And God is trying to constantly align you with his mission and his values in life. And so we're on mission because we believe that found people find people. And there's a great story out of Mark chapter 2 that, that really illustrates this. We're going to read. You can follow along in your Bibles. You can look on the screen. You can, you can take a nap, whatever. Uh, verse 1, it says, When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, news spread quickly that he was back home. Now let me just stop right there. Capernaum is a small town. Uh, it's about 1,500 to 2,000 people. They actually say that this is where Jesus made his residence. And when they, they say that Jesus returned home, it wasn't just like a, a, a word home, like whatever. The scholars actually believe this was Jesus' physical home before he abandoned it. And so when you think about your home, you think about a place of rest. You think about a place of refuge. You think about a place of restoration of life. So Jesus going home to get some rest. And it says, people heard about it. And this is what it said. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. Now, this is before Facebook. This is before Twitter. This is before CNN News. This is before Instagram. Listen, God's greatest marketing plan on earth is not social media. It's your life being transformed and telling other people about it. And word starts spreading, and man, people come in droves to see what's this all about. Continuing on, it says, while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Now, this is Jesus' house. They're, they're vandalizing Jesus' house. Scripture's interesting, isn't it? Like, like, you don't think about things like that, man. How would you like if somebody ripped off the shingles off your roof? Hey, what's up? Can you help us out? 
no, get off my roof, sucker. Anyways, that, uh, that is, that's contextualized in my. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven, which is huge. We'll get back to that. But some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, man, what's he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. What's interesting is when God starts doing the miraculous in your life and God starts transforming your life, isn't it interesting that haters always start to show up? Aren't there always people that are going to tell you, man, I don't, I don't, I'm not really sure about it. Are you sure that that's real? And listen, this is where we got to take some theology from Taylor Swift. This is where you just got to shake it off, shake it off, right? Don't listen to those jokers. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, which is scary to me because that means he knows what I'm thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up and pick up your mat and walk? That's a good question. Is it easier to say, hey, Shayla, your sins are forgiven, or Shayla, you're completely healed, miraculously get up off the ground? It's way easier to say your sins are forgiven, isn't it? And Jesus goes, but just to prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins, Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. The man jumped up, grabbed his mat, walked out through stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Never seen anything like this before. These four guys ripped off a roof. And at the end of it, they'd never seen anything like this before. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, rip off the roof. Now turn to your B team that you didn't want to talk to and tell them, rip off the roof. Now some of y'all didn't say anything. We're going we're to talk about that here in a minute, but... Listen, we need some interaction here. I need, I need some help. So you've got to help me out. That If you could talk back to me a little bit, it makes me feel good. Like I need this to be a little bit more interactive of a church. This isn't just me talking and you listening. I need you to go like, oh, yeah, or what's up. <laughs> Say it again for the people in the back. Whatever. I don't, you know, it's like whatever we need to do. I just, I just need some help here. So let me set this up. Church is packed out that day, kind of like this. There's not even room. Like, there's people that are in the doorways waiting to get in. They can't get in because there's so many people inside. And revival is taking place. Like, this is a happening church. Like, like it is the place to be. And this, for me, is where the tension becomes. Because it says in that scenario, there was no more room. Listen, I don't ever want to be a church that doesn't have room for paralyzed people. I don't want to ever want to be a church that doesn't have room for broken people. I don't want to ever want to be a church that doesn't have room for people that look different than me, that talk different than me, that come from different social and economic backgrounds from me, that are from different races than me. I don't ever want to be a church that doesn't have room. We should be a church that always has room for people. You guys are getting good at this. So we, I like this. So this church is happening. Jesus is preaching. They're singing. What a beautiful name. Your name is Jesus. They changed the words right there. And Jesus healing and forgiving. And news is spreading. It's packed. And I was thinking about this. And I was like, God, this is, this is an amazing story. And I feel like this is honestly kind of the story of our church right now. 
Like every service is getting packed and yeah, there's a seat here and there. But there's not a lot of places for people. I thought to myself, God, I don't ever want to be a church that you call us to bring a whole bunch of people into but isn't full of you. That isn't full of your presence. Don't want to just do good music and a funny message, but want to see broken people mended. Want to see addicted people set free. Want to see marriages restored, kids raised up. Transformation taking place. So how do we be that kind of church that is always making room and that is getting outside the box like these four guys were willing to get outside the box for their friend that couldn't get in? And if you're taking notes today, number one, if we're going to be like these guys, if we're going to be found people who find people, number one, we've got to live with power and on purpose. We got to live with power and on purpose because what you see happening here in this story is, is the mission of Jesus is taking place as well as the ministry of Jesus. The mission of Jesus was to reach everybody so people are gathering and all of a sudden you're seeing the ministry of Jesus take place. And so many times what will happen is, is when Jesus starts moving, a lot of religious people start to show up. That's what the story said. It says the religious leaders took up all the room. Why? Because they're always there early. Sorry, early people. Please come early. We would like that. That would be awesome. I know we live in South Florida and we're on island time, but we could be on like American time at some point. Religious people were there and then judgmental people were there. <laughs> There's some judgmental people here already. I know that because you're judging my physique and the idea of wearing skinny jeans. It's okay. Don't judge me. Don't judge people because they sin differently than you. Let's never be a place that's judgmental. Why? Because we're all fall short of the glory of God. Listen, just because my sin's exposed, it's gluttony. And yours isn't because it's pornography doesn't mean it's any different. Because if we were to expose your sin, you would feel as bad as I do right now. Like, I got it squeezed into these. It's like, um, <laughs> But these guys, they were living with power and on purpose. See, we don't need to just be ministering in the four walls of the church. We need to be getting outside of these walls and ministering to everybody outside. See, we're not called to be a, a church on a block. We're called to be a city on a hill that's shining a bright light into the darkness so that people that are lost and hopeless can come towards the light and find the truth that they need. See, I'm going to blow some of y'all's minds because a lot of you think church starts when the music starts inside, but church does not start when music starts, church starts when church ends and you walk out into the world because you are the church. 
I don't know if you realize this, but you're called. You're the church. This is a building. This is a community. But you are the church. If you have Christ inside of you, you are called to be the church. So when you show up at school, students, you know who shows up? The church shows up. So adults, when you show up at work tomorrow morning, you know who just came to work? The church. When somebody moves in next to you, you know where they moved into? They moved in next door to the church. So that means that every way that we live should be lived out with some intentionality. See, I'm empowered by Jesus to be the church. And I live with purpose knowing that every moment of my life is lived with intentionality. we got to live with purpose. But the power aspect. You know, we're coming into... Hurricane season right now. Anybody know that it's hurricane season right now? How many of y'all are prepared for hurricane season? Raise your hands. Okay, I just, we got a lot of work to do here. Because I know when hurricanes hit, y'all are going to, come, come board up my house. Like, there's like thousands of you now. It's going to be harder to do that, but we will. Uh, this is what I know a couple years ago, Irma was on its way. All of y'all remember Irma is insane. You know, Category 5, Shayla and I were actually on a cruise in the Caribbean. Our cruise ship turned around and brought us back here. We jumped off the cruise ship on a Wednesday. As soon as we hit the ground, we were going to people's houses and boarding them up and putting Tapcons in and all those things. And we weren't worrying about our house because we have impact doors and windows. We were like, thank you, Jesus, for whoever owned this house before us. They were smart and wise. We're not. The only thing we checked was our generator, right? Because you got to have a generator at when, when a hurricane's coming. It's like the most important element you can have at your house. And when a hurricane's coming, what's the most important thing you plug into your generator? On the count of three, I want you to shout it out. What's the most important thing to plug into your generator? One, two, three. That was the weirdest group of answers I've gotten up in any service. I mean, I, I heard cell phones, uh, curling irons. <laughs> I just, I'm like, man, your priorities here are messed up. I'm going to tell you what's the most important thing. You need to plug in. You don't need food. You don't need water. You need AC. <laughs> Listen, we live in South Florida. You will melt during a hurricane. Listen, it's so, so hot out there. And so we made sure our portable AC unit was ready to go. We got our generator ready to go. And, and what's interesting is, is, is people would do, I went to Home Depot, people would do anything for a generator. Like, they're like, do you need a kidney? Go ahead and cut it out right now. I'll trade you a kidney for a generator. They're like, they would do anything. They would, the price for a generator at that point was high. Like, anybody would, like, you had a Tapcon, you could sell that for like $20 at Home Depot. They're like, I can put this in my room. Yeah. It's crazy. And I was thinking about that because what's the use of a generator? It's when there is no power, you can plug things into it, and all of a sudden, there's power. And what happens for a lot of us is when hurricane season passes, what do we do? We put the generator in the corner, and it just collects dust. <laughs> and I find it kind of interesting because... Why do we allow the power of God to be relevant in one season and then put it in the corner to collect dust the rest of the seasons? See, there is a season in your life where you needed the power and the presence of God to transform you. And then when you were transformed, you're like, okay, I got that. I'm going to put that in the corner and walk away from it. 
Here's the problem with that. You're called to be a generator, not just for your life, but for other people's lives. Because there's people out there that are lacking power, that are lacking hope, that are lacking transformation, that are lacking peace in their life. And they're supposed to encounter you and plug into you and experience the power of God through you. You're to be the generator for other people's lives. And the reason you are is because the Holy Spirit has been gifted to you, who is the power. Man, I'm preaching way better than y'all are responding. I'm just saying, like, and this cord is creeping on my back. Probably because I'm soaking wet. Man, we got to live with power and on purpose. Why? Because found people find people. Number two, we got to lead with compassion. Lead with compassion. I, I try every day to live and lead my life with compassion. It's a difficult thing. And there's, there's kind of a gut check question that I ask myself that I'll ask you that always challenges me. And it's this. Does your heart break for the things that break God's heart? Does your heart break for the things that break God's heart. In verse 3 it says, While he was preaching God's word to them, this is Jesus, it says, Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. See, there's four men in this story that had a passion for lost people. They had a passion for people that were far from God. There were four guys that said, hey, listen, all that God has blessed me with is not just for me. God actually wants to use my blessing to impact other people's lives. God wants to use my influence to influence other people's lives. God wants to use my hands and my feet to be a catalyst to propel people to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Because there are paralyzed people all around. Do you know that there are paralyzed people every single day in your life? When you roll in the grocery store, there are paralyzed people there. When you're at home, even in your homes, there are paralyzed people. There's people that are paralyzed in abuse from the past. There's people that are paralyzed from, from mindsets that have been spoken over them their entire lives. There's people that are uh, paralyzed by fears and doubts of their life. There are people that are paralyzed by addictions that they have. There are people that are paralyzed in their shame. There's paralyzed people all over the place. And God has called us to, to look for those people and have compassion on them. How do you get that compassion? How do you get that? And I, I started asking my, how do you get that? Can I have that? This right here is an exercise mat. It has not seen use at our house. In a very, very long time. Maybe ever. I, I, I don't, we're not really sure. But I was thinking, how, how, do you, how do you live with compassion? How do you do that? How do I keep compassion at the forefront? I started thinking about it is you have to remember... When you were on a mat. See, I don't know if you know this, but every single one of us has a mat in our past. Every single one of us at some point 
was like the man in this story that was stuck in their situation, that was stuck in their circumstances, that was stuck in their mindsets and the anxieties and the fears and the doubts and, and wondering, how, how in the world am I ever going to get out of this? And you think about this man in this story that's paralyzed in the mat, and he's hearing the commotion. 1,500 to 2,000 people are packing out the house, and they're walking by to experience the, Jesus forgiving people and healing people. And here's a man that's paralyzed, that's in need of a Savior, who's watching people walk by and going, Hey, will somebody help me out? I know you're going to serve at church, but can you serve me? I'm paralyzed in my fear. I'm paralyzed in my doubts. I'm paralyzed in my hurt. Can somebody help me? And they're walking by, and finally somebody goes, You know what? I'm not just going to walk by anymore, but I'm going to do something about this. Because so many of us, what we do in life is we look at this situation and go, I can't pick him up all by myself, so I'll do nothing. God hasn't called you to do everything. He's called you to do something. Compassion doesn't require you to do everything, but it does require you to do something. And when one of the guys goes, you know what, I'll grab this corner. And he goes, hey, man, hey, man, will you grab that corner? And all of a sudden they start collaborating. See, what's interesting is, it's so easy for us to forget our mat. It's so easy for us to forget what it was like to be broken and hurting and full of shame and guilt. And what happens is, is Christ delivers us. And all of a sudden we're fired up for God and we go, God, I want to do something great for you. Send me to the four corners of the earth. And Jesus is like, yeah, but can you pick up the corner of the mat? We have a saying that we tell all of our interns and staff and next gen leaders that are coming up. Everybody wants a microphone, but nobody wants a mop. You can't ever have a microphone until you learn how to work the mop. Because until you serve the least of these, you're not ready for the, the best of these. And so many of us are going, God, I want to do something great. And God's like, here's your starting place. It's having some compassion. Right here is not doing everything, it's doing something. Because if you won't take care of what you deem insignificant, you definitely won't be faithful with the significant. A lot of us think, well, that's somebody, somebody will do that. No, 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 Jesus, Jesus called us found people to find people. If you go down to verse 17 in Mark chapter 2. Jesus says, listen, I haven't come for those who've got it all together or think they've got it together, think that they are well, but I've come for those who know they are sick, the sinners, and I'm looking for some people that will have compassion. So many people are constantly asking what is my purpose? What am I called to do? And let me just tell you something, church. A good indication of your calling and your purpose is your pain. Good indication of it is your pain. It's the mat that you've lived. And what I've discovered is 
that my greatest misery in life has the potential to be my greatest ministry when I hand it over to Jesus. So we got to live on purpose and with power. We got to lead with compassion. And number three, we got to change the front door. Got to change the front door. It says in verse four, they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. I love. I love this right here because this right here is the power of community. This right here is the power of the church. It's one of the reasons as a church we tell you, get into a group, get into a group, get into a group, get into a community, get into group community. Because at some point in life, you're going to be the one that's going to need the four. At some point in life, there's going to be a one that you need to be the four for. And it's so important you have people around you that when you're in, in a broken situation will say, you know what, I'm going to lift you up out of your circumstances and then, and then you can help raise them up to a place where they can experience Jesus. And so whether you're good or you're bad, there's a place for you. Don't say that, that man, there's no place. No, 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 there's always a place for you. You're either going to be help or you're going to get help. And we can be living out both at the exact same time. And let me tell you something. When you go and you pick up a corner of a mat, it's going to cost you something. I don't want to lie to you and tell you that this is going to be easy. It's going to be easy to help lift somebody up. Like it's going to cost you something. There's going to be a burden that you're going to have to carry. There's going to be a price that's going to be paid. It's going to be difficult, but I promise you it will be worth it. Because when you see somebody's life transformed from this mat, and you know that you had a part in picking it up, it changes your life forever. And what these guys do, they, they, they came to the house, and they realized, man, we can't get through the front door. we got to elevate, and we got to think of a different way. And they went up to the roof, and they ripped off the roof. Why? Because not everybody comes to Christ the same way. We're going to have to find different ways to reach different people and be willing to rip off the roof to get people to Jesus and change the front door. Listen, do you realize the front door to Jesus for most people is your life? God's greatest evangelism tool is not the building church. God's greatest evangelism tool is your life being lived out every single day. And a few years ago as a, as a church when we, we were getting going, we decided, listen, we're going to change the front door to the church. Because people don't, just because you open a church, people don't come. There's got to be something more than that. And we decided, man, we're not going to stay in the church. We're going to get outside the church. We're going to be a church that is looking for opportunities where hurt and broken and paralyzed people are. And that's virtually everywhere. So anything our community is doing, we're going to partner with them. And we're going to go support them. We're going to pick up trash. We're going to lead events. We're going to do whatever it takes to be a part of what our community is doing. So we can get around broken people and hurting people and live out passion and purpose and God's presence in their life. Leading with compassion. And we're going to rip off the roof to reach people. And we were partnering up with the city of Pompano Beach for an event, and, uh, and they had asked our band to come out and play for, for this event. And before our band played, there was a young woman that was there to sing the Star Spangled Banner that day. 
And she got out there on her keyboard and played the Star Spangled Banner and slayed it. I mean, she was incredible. And uh, one of the guys on our team was like, man, we need to go talk to her. We need to get her involved in church. Like, she's talented. She's awesome. And, and so this guy went and started talking to her. And it's like, hey, you should come check out our church. And, and uh, I think the next weekend was actually Easter. And she showed up to church on Easter. And over the next couple of weeks, he was like, man, you're an incredible keyboard player. Why don't you come play keys at our church? She's not saved yet. How many of y'all know that, that playing keys at church not saved is a no-no in most churches? But here's what we know. Playing keys at church will lead you to Jesus. Because we're going to rip the roof off. We don't really care. We're about reaching people. So this girl starts playing the keys. A couple months in, she ends up giving her life to Christ. All of a sudden, she starts leading worship at our church, singing some songs. And before long, because she's singing at church, she's been an atheist her entire life. She's never actually donned the doors of church until she came to our church for the very first time. She invites her mom, her two brothers, her stepdad. They start coming to church. They get saved. They start inviting their extended family. They start getting saved. About a year into this, we're having a water baptism day out at Pompano. They all get water baptized together. In fact, we have a picture of her getting baptized. Her name is Violet. She was actually right here leading you in worship today. All because we decided we're going to rip off the roof years ago and say, hey, you know what? The front door to the church is not the traditional way. It's our lives being lived out every single day. Do you realize that you have been given the responsibility to rip off the roof for other people? I know we've got so much religion inside of us. This is how it's supposed to be. Jesus kind of messed all that up, didn't he? I mean, he came in and did everything the opposite of what religious people said. That's why they were all angry and judging him. It's time for some of us to realize that our worst days are behind us and our best days are ahead of us. It's time to rip off the roof so other people can experience what we're experiencing. And I love what it says in verse 5. It says, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Check this out. So, so. They rip off this roof and they lower this man down. And this guy looks at the paralyzed, Jesus looks at the paralyzed man and says, Man, your faith is so great, I'm going to forgive your sins. That's what we all think. This man actually had no faith. It says, seeing their faith. Whose faith? The four. Seeing their faith, Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Seeing their faith, he ends up healing this man. Do you realize that your faith has the potential to change the trajectory of somebody's destiny? Your faith. Jesus said we don't need a whole lot of it either. He says if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, 
You can say this mountain, be thou removed and tossed in the sea, and it's going to go. What that means is, like, you don't have to have a lot. You're like, man, Diego, I think maybe maybe possibly Jesus might be able to do something. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know, you're pretty messed up, but maybe, just maybe. Like, and that, like that, even that, like, waffling back and forth, there's still faith there. Like, I, th- I, like, I had a conversation with Diego. Maybe, maybe, like, Jesus goes, I can use that. You want to know why? Because he wants to use you. Number four, if you're taking notes, don't forget your mat. Verse 11, it says, Jesus said to this man, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Now, this is interesting to me because if I've just gotten healed and I've been laying on this mat my entire life paralyzed, I'm going to get up and be like, Jesus, I'm good. You can keep the mat. Keep it as a souvenir. Remember this day. I got you. I'm, I'm out peace. You know, like, what's up? I'm celebrating, maybe dancing a little bit, a little booty dance, Beyonce, something like that. Uh, but like, I'm just, I'm just, I'm like, I'm pumped about it. And Jesus is like, hey, stand up. Like, I've done a work in your life. Pick up your mat. And I'm like, Jesus, I don't want to pick up my mat. Why? Because I know what that map represents. That map represents my life of addiction. That map represents all of my regrets in this life. That map represents the shame that I felt for so long. That map represents the guilt that I've lived with. That map represents my failed marriage. That map represents my Addiction to alcohol. That mat represents my loss of a child. Jesus goes, I know you want to leave that here. Please understand me here. I'm not telling you that you shouldn't find freedom from your past. It's not what I'm saying. Jesus, that's his goal. He's to bring freedom from your past. But a lot of us, we're so ashamed of our past that we've never let it be a part of our story. And Jesus is saying, listen, stand up. You're not the same person you used to be any longer. Like, that's all changed. You're not paralyzed any longer. Like, that's evident by the fact that you're standing up. What I need you to do is I need you to take that mat, and I need you to roll it up. And I realize that you want to leave it there, but you can't leave that mat there. I need you to stand up. I need you to pick this mat up. Because this messy mat that you don't want anything to do with, is going to turn into the message that I'm going to use for every person that you encounter. And if you don't carry this with you, how are you going to tell that story? 
How are you going to show them, look at what the Lord has done. He saved my body. He set me free. Like you need this. Because this mat has the message. Revelation tells us we overcome or we defeat the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, by what Jesus did on the cross, and the word of our mat. New TJ translation. See, you didn't go through what you went through. You weren't paralyzed for no reason. God actually wants to take what was broken in your life and use it to impact other people's lives. And the enemy's goal is to keep you in shame so that you never tell anybody about your testimony. Well, if they knew me, but that isn't you anymore, is it? Well, if they knew what I did, you're not doing that anymore, are you? See, what it is, is they need to know. Because what you don't know is what's happening behind the scenes. That they need that there they need to know that there is hope, that there is restoration, that there is a second chance or a 20th chance or a 2000th chance. Because of the amazing grace of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Church, somebody ripped off the roof for you. Isn't it about time you start ripping off the roof for somebody else? Isn't it about time we start walking in the purpose and power of God in our lives, living with compassion, ripping off the roof, changing the front door by carrying our mat with us? Because here's what I know as a church, man. We'll do anything short of sin. And sometimes I think about sinning, just being honest, to make it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to come to church so they can experience forgiveness and grace and mercy by knowing a God that loved them so much that he would send his one and only son to die on a cross for them so they could follow him all the days of their lives, living out their potential and purpose in life. Would you guys bow your heads with me as we get ready to pray? Maybe you're in here today and you're listening to this and you've never experienced the grace and love and mercy of Jesus and you didn't know that there was a God that loves you so much that he would send his one and only son to die for you. So that he could have a relationship with you. I'm not talking about rules. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a God that wants to know you. In fact, he knows your deepest, your darkest, your most severe pains. He says, not only do I want to forgive you, but I want to heal you. I want to change your life. I want you to be able to stand up, take up your mat, and go home completely different. And watch the world stand in awe 
of what just happened. And maybe you're here and you've never begun a relationship with Jesus. And you say, today I would like to. Or maybe you did a long time ago and you've kind of fallen away from that. And you're like, you know what, I need to come back to that. And I need to experience that again. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, if you just slip your hand up on the count of three. One, two, three. Go ahead and slip it up. Slip it up. Yeah, I see you back there. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. People. Anybody else? If you just pray this prayer in your heart as I pray it out loud, God, I thank you so much that you're a God that was willing to change the trajectory of everything by messing with all the religious drama of the day to create a way where there was no way. And God, you loved me so much when I was in my paralyzed state. You would send your son to die for me. To take away my shame and my pain. To take away my mistakes. My sins. God, forgive me of my sins. And I thank you that three days later you rose again, defeating death in the grave. So I could have new life. And God, I pray right now that you would raise me up in new life. That I would experience your love and mercy like never before. That you would fill me with your power and your presence and transform me from the inside out. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.